Hello, and welcome to About This Writing Thing, a weekly podcast about living the writing life. I'm your host, Sayward B. Eller, novelist, short story writer, and podcaster. This week, I'm talking about procrastination. I am, as I'm sure you guessed, a major procrastinator. I've struggled with it for years, but this week's episode has helped me to put it into perspective, and I hope it does the same for you. First, though, I want to update you on my query progress. There is none. (laughs) I am still awaiting feedback on my revise and resubmit from May. This process takes a long time, y'all. I am not even kidding. I've also submitted queries to a few more agents and even a small publisher. I'm sad to report sad and a little annoyed that one query was rejected in just under an hour. This lets me know the agent didn't make it to my sample chapters because my query still sucks. I'm going to be talking specifically about queries in an upcoming episode, so look for that. (laughs) If you haven't subscribed to my email list yet, I hope you will, especially if you like this show. (laughs) Subscribers get a first look at what shows I'll be recording for the month, so it kind of gives you a leg up on what to expect. You can sign up at my website if you're interested, which is, of course, saywordbeeller.com. Now, Let's talk about procrastination. It should come as no surprise that I procrastinated recording this episode. Last week, I was consumed with schoolwork and writing, and then I decided, for whatever reason, to take a three-day weekend. So I didn't really work on anything Monday. I think I did a little bit of revisions Monday morning to a project that I'm considering self-publishing. Then Tuesday, as is apt to happen to those of us working from home, I had visitors and didn't get to record. So here I am bright and early on Wednesday morning recording the episode you will listen to in a few short hours. (laughs) A few months ago, I would have chided myself for not getting this done last week, but today I'm okay with it. Maybe it's because I'm the boss and I'll record my podcast when I damn well please, but it's mostly because I am embracing my procrastination. So Why do we procrastinate, and is it exclusive to creative types? The good news is, no, we are not the only ones who procrastinate. The bad news, it might be something that was ingrained in our psyches at a very young age. This is why I tend to agree with Julia Hess's philosophy, just go with it. As an undergrad, I procrastinated on assignments. I would wait until the day before or the day a paper was due and hurry through it so that I could turn it in and not be penalized. Sometimes my procrastination was so bad that I would have to ask for an extension. There's a term for the kind of procrastinator I was in college. More on that in a bit. (laughs) Upon entering graduate school, I decided I wouldn't be a procrastinator. No way, not me. And the lie detector test determined that was a lie. I think in grad school, I just got a little better at procrastinating. Well, better at managing my procrastination. Let me tell you, it's dangerous being a procrastinator as a history major all that research. Oh my gosh. I would do my research, but still wouldn't begin my paper until the day before it was due. And I have to tell you, when I entered grad school, we were reading one book a week and writing a paper on it and having a discussion in class about it. It's really bad being a procrastinator if you are a history major (laughs) because those books are not short and those papers are not short. (laughs) I would do my research, but I, I wouldn't like I'm one of those people that I can't skim a book. Like, I have to know everything that happens. So I never really learned how to read like a grad student. That's what they used to call it at um, High Point University. When I was in graduate school there, it was like, you have to read like a grad student. Well, I need to know every little thing because I'm afraid that the thing that I skim over is going to be the thing that I really needed to know. So 
I was very overwhelmed with having to read a book per week and then you have to do the outside research outside of the book that you're reading and I had a full-time job and so I had all these things that were they weren't working against me but because I'm a procrastinator and because of the type of procrastinator I am it was really a disservice for me to be to try to be a history major as a graduate student because I would do that research even though I hadn't finished the whole book because there was no way I was reading that whole book. Have you tried to read, um, have you tried to read those books? Because <laughs> they're not all very good. <laughs> like some of them are great. Some of them are written very creatively and they have a really nice voice and it's really easy to get through them. But a lot of them are difficult. And if you don't know how to read like a grad student, you're not getting through them. <laughs> so I would do my research. I would read as much of the book as I could, but I still wouldn't begin my paper until the day before it was due. And I was super mean to myself about this. I was like, you suck. What are you even doing here? Why do you even think that you can do this? How are you ever going to be like the historians that you admire. And then I flunked out of grad school, which had very little to do with my procrastination and more to do with the fact that my heart just wasn't in history. But it was really rough when I flunked out of grad school. And that was following a, a really horrible personal crisis that I had had in June of that year. So all of those things really helped to come together and put me into a crippling depression for a couple of years. But to get back to the reason that one of the major reasons that I flunked out of grad school is that my heart just wasn't in history. I was good at history. I enjoyed history, but I wanted to be a fiction writer. So the fact that I was good at history didn't really matter very much. I mean, sure, I was good at it, but I wasn't good enough. And that had always bothered me. So I remember speaking with a professor a couple of times about how I was feeling that I felt like maybe I shouldn't be going to graduate school for history and that I should be going to graduate school for creative writing. So I became these two different people. I became the historian me who really wanted to hold on to that because historians are respected in their field and they're smart and they're people that I look up to. And then there was the writer me who I felt like I was killing with the history me, <laughs> with the historian me. So ultimately what it came down to is, yes, I was good at history, but I wasn't good enough. And that did bother me. I'd always been great at English. I'd always been good at writing. And I wanted to do what I was really great at. So I failed at what I was merely good at. If the question of procrastination were to appear on Family Feud, the number one answer would be fear of failure. Everyone says it. Alan DeBotton says work finally begins when the fear of doing nothing exceeds the fear of doing it badly. For me, I think this was my problem in grad school. I didn't feel like I was as good as my peers and I certainly didn't feel like I was worthy of attention from my professors. I wanted the history degree, but I didn't feel like I deserved the history degree. I didn't realize it fully then, but Megan McArdle was spot on when she wrote the reason we procrastinate is because we were too good in English class. So when you're very good at something at an early age, this puts this idea in your head that you don't really have to work very hard for the things that you want because you're already good at them. 
I don't think that really clicked for me until 2018 when I transferred from the history program, which I was excelling in at Southern New Hampshire University, to their creative writing MFA program. Yes, you heard me correctly. I did go back to grad school. I did go back to grad school for history. But then when my children were grown, I was like, you know what? It's finally time to do something for me. So I transferred. I applied and transferred to their MFA program in creative writing. In the history program, I was super overwhelmed. It was exhilarating to be so challenged in that program. I mean, I was, after all, good at it. <laughs> However, I was great at writing and English. So when I started the MFA program, I was overthinking every single assignment because it seemed too easy. I mean, I went from turning in eight page papers every week to being required to turn in two to four paragraphs. I was like, what? <laughs> I mean, just recently I was required to do a two to four page paper and I turned in an eight page paper and my professor was like, hey, this is a really good paper, but you need to stay in those guidelines or I'm going to dock you next time. So I, I guess I'm still overthinking it a little bit because history is such a challenging program and you do have to write so much in history so that now I'm over here in this program that I'm really great at and I'm just like I have to be doing something wrong because I'm too good at this program it's did that sound egotistical because I feel like it did that's not what I meant <laughs> it's just my brain saying there's something wrong I feel like this is easy so I have to be missing something so anyway when I got into this program my procrastination returned with a vengeance. I was and often am waiting until the day my assignments are due to even write them. Two of my best short stories were written in under an hour for class. So when I read McArdle's statement that we were too good in English class, it really clicked. When I was a student of history, I procrastinated because I was afraid of failing. I didn't feel worthy. But now I procrastinate because I know I've got this. I've always been great at English. Not grammar, though. We are not even going to talk about grammar. So why else do we do it? The University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill has a handout for their student procrastinators that lists nine contributing factors. Number one, always number one, fear of failure. Number two, fear of success. There's a fear of losing autonomy, a fear of being alone, fear of attachment. Then there's number six, because we expect ourselves to be perfect. Number seven, because we don't like our writing. Number eight, because we're too busy. And number nine, because it works. I think for me now, it's number nine. It's because it works. Stanford psychologist Carol Dweck links procrastination to a fixed mindset and a growth mindset. Those with a fixed mindset believe talent is a fixed thing. So they dislike challenges because they don't feel like they'll learn anything. They already know it, right? They're already really good at it. Those with a growth mindset love challenges because they feel like they can grow and learn from them. They don't believe talent is inherent. They believe it can be cultivated and nourished and only get better. I don't know if I totally buy this hypothesis. What if it really is just a fear of failure or success? It took Camp NaNoWriMo in July 2020 for me to really get my new project started. I'd been thinking about it and considering where to go with it for months. I finished Catching Fireflies in February, 
So in March, I started really thinking about this new project. I settled on the new project I would do. I started thinking about it, started researching it. But I hadn't really had that moment where it was clicking yet. I didn't feel connected to it. Maybe it's because I'm still in limbo with catching fireflies. I'm querying it and I don't want to have to stop in the midst of, and I don't want to have to stop in the midst of my new project to make edits on my old one. I need to be in the right headspace for the projects I'm working on. So I don't know. I just kept smacking into this brick wall with this new project because I guess I feel like Catching Fireflies is unfinished because I haven't sold it yet. And it was so bad that I thought, maybe I don't have another novel in me. I was afraid of failing before I even began. So what are the ways that we procrastinate? We ignore the task. We over or underestimate the degree of difficulty the task involves. We minimize the impact that our performance might have on our futures. We substitute something important for something really important. Like when you have something that you should be working on, but then you decide to wash the dishes or sweep them off the floor or fold that laundry that's been sitting in the basket for a week <laughs> instead of doing what you need to be doing. We might let a short break become a long one. Hello, Netflix. Hello, Amazon Prime. Hello, Hulu. We might focus on one part of the task at the expense of the rest. Now, this is from that University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill handout. And I think what they're talking about is working on like your introduction over and over and over again to get your thesis statement right and all that at the expense of the rest of the paper. For me, it's researching. Like, I think maybe it, it's researching instead of writing or it's doing character development or it's plotting instead of writing. So we focus on one part of the task at the expense of the rest because guess what? Maybe that one part of the task is the easiest for us. Or, I've already said this, but we spend too much time researching, which let me tell you, as a writer of historical fiction and as a historian, research is super fun for me. So I often find myself going down the rabbit hole of research. So I think that they're right on with that for some, for some things. So maybe it's because we were too good in English class. Maybe it's because we're afraid of failure. Maybe we're afraid of succeeding. Or maybe it's every single one of those things. But what if it's something else? Julia Hess credits Anne Lamott's Bird by Bird with her epiphany that procrastination is an integral part of her process. She happily admits that she puts off the act of actually writing her articles until the last minute. Hess breaks procrastinators down into two categories, active procrastinators and passive procrastinators. And I think I have been both of these at different points in my, in my life. I think as an undergraduate, I was a passive procrastinator, just kind of skirting by on what I felt like was my talent. But I think now... I am an active procrastinator, and I don't know if there's a hypothesis that you can actually cross those lines, but I feel like I have. <laughs> active procrastinators are people who thrive under the pressure of upcoming deadlines. They choose to procrastinate because they know it will help them produce better writing. Something I found particularly profound was when she said that the active procrastinator's awareness of how they lack self-regulation means they often have stronger decision-making and time management skills than they realize. Did you hear that, my friends? As an active procrastinator, I appreciate knowing this. <laughs> there are all kinds of tricks and tips for managing your procrastination. The Mind Tools content team lists eight anti 
procrastination strategies. First, forgive yourself for procrastinating in the past. Commit to the task. Focus on doing, not avoiding. Promise yourself a reward. Ask someone to check up on you. Act as you go. Complete the tasks as they come up instead of putting them off. Rephrase your internal dialogue. Minimize distractions. And do the least appealing or most daunting task first. They call this eat an elephant beetle. Sounds yummy, huh? This morning, I made my bed first thing. I find that when I do that, I'm more likely to get things done throughout the day. It's weird that beginning the day with a task does that, but who am I to question my brain? <laughs> For me, an active procrastinator, I only do the last three things in the above list. I no longer tell myself I suck for not doing a task immediately. When I have tasks that need to be completed, I think about the time I need to do them and proceed from there. Like, I know that my assignment for this week is due at 11.59 p.m. on Sunday. So I know that all day Saturday I can work on that project, but I also know what the project entails so I know that it's probably only going to take me a few hours. So I'll either do it Saturday or I'll do it Sunday morning or Sunday afternoon. I'll do it sometime. This helps this ability to think about what task needs to be done and think about the time that it needs to be done in and how much time it will take and how much time you have to complete it. It really helps, especially when my day or week looks like this one. I have a lot of things to do this week and I don't know how I'm going to get them done, but I'm sure I will get them done. <laughs> I absolutely minimize distractions while working. I'll put my phone on silent or do not disturb and place it face down on my desk. Desk, but I don't scold myself for taking small breaks to check social media or email. I don't, when I take those small breaks, I don't spend a lot of time on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter scrolling through. I just kind of look, see if there's any notifications, then I might scroll through for a couple of minutes. Then I put my phone down and I get back to work. I'm not going to scold myself for that. That's taking a break. That's taking a breather. I'm okay with that. I do recommend tackling the most annoying task first. Get it over with and move on. That way, you can focus on the less annoying task without it eating away at your peace of mind. Like if I have something that really, really, really has to do, but I, that I really, really have to do, but I really, really, really hate doing it, and I don't go ahead and get it done, I'm thinking about it even when I'm doing other things. So that takes my attention away from the things that I am doing because I'm still thinking about this thing that I really don't want to do that I have to do. Now I just try to get it done first so I'm not thinking about it constantly while I'm trying to do other things. I would love to know some of the ways you manage your procrastination if you have to. Leave me a comment or send me a message and let me know your best practices. I'm always looking for different ways to manage my little issues. <laughs> That's all I've got for this week. I hope you'll join me next week when I talk about a major writing weakness for me, pacing in my narrative. Do you have a topic you'd like for me to cover? Send me an email. Say a word at saywordbeeller.com. If you enjoy this podcast, please rate and subscribe or follow. I'd greatly appreciate it if you shared me with your writing friends. The more the merrier in this crazy writing life is what I say. If you'd like to know what I'm up to between shows, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter. My personal account is at saybeeller. You can also find this podcast on Instagram at aboutthiswritingthing and Twitter at writingthingpod. Thank you so much for listening. I hope that you have a great week. Take care and keep writing. Bye.